0: Well, typically this would be when we would have our entrance music and me giving some spiel of an introduction. But really today I just want to get right to the, the nitty-gritty of all of it. And, you know, that is that we're, we're lucky to be able to sit down and talk with three of the student-athletes that I get to work with about, you know, just kind of the world today and current events and things that are going on. And, and this is going to be a really, really good topic of conversation for all of us. Before we get going too far, fellas,
1: if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves. Uh, I'm Jacob Gilliard. I'm Nick Shiraz.
2: Got another guy named Nathan Ko. He doesn't want to speak.
0: Nate, you there, buddy? Yep. Good. So but yeah, I mean I guess we should probably just dive right into it, right? And you know, get to what's going on right now and you know how have you felt about the responses to all these things that have been going around the
1: you know in the country and the world recently. Um I
2: think anytime you have Uh, a worldwide issue I think the first two weeks first week and a half usually always is aggressive I think everybody kind of is doing extra stuff everybody's talking about it at the time because people are forced to talk about it Um, I'm interested to see in two weeks what
1: things look like yeah uh to go off what uh, Jacob said uh right now the movement's
3: really aggressive, and we're seeing uh you know a lot of people speak out and you know be active, but I think also this time has helped me like open my eyes to like how a lot of my peers feel how a lot of people I used to look up to how did they feel about the situation, and it's really helped me to like you know pick and choose like I want to associate myself with who I want to be following because the the issue at hand is like about life you know what I'm saying it's not like politics or anything it's really life so it's helped me really like choose my circle choose who I'm following and help me out
4: yeah I think the, the craziest part about all this is just like uh like right now there's no distractions so like Typically, when stuff like this happens, like, like I, I remember, like when the stuff happened in Ferguson, like everybody was pretty mad about for a week, and maybe even less than a week, and then after that, you know, then it, this, the next news cycle picks up whatever else is going on. Then the, I think the crazy part about this is, like, because of the pandemic, we're not really able to shift our focus to something else so quickly. Um, we could stay on this for longer, which is good. Obviously, we prefer not to be in a pandemic and all that stuff, but. I think the the reason the movement has picked up such worldwide traction and, like, the reason that it's been, uh, it's stayed so intense in, in the States is just because like, there's nothing else going on. There's nothing. Else, there's no excuse to not talk about this, to not focus on this. So I'm interested to see, obviously, when the NBA comes back and that kind of stuff starts up, what the movement looks like. But I think it's gained such momentum that it's going to be hard to to just gloss over this and to move on to something else. So speaking of that two-week kind of period, Jacob,
0: you know where then do you guys see that this needs to continue to go, or what are the steps that need to be kind of taken so that things do continue to stay addressed, but also not just stay addressed, but actually there starts to be actual change.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall like the like the petitions um you know the the donating I think that that's helpful but um kind of like me and Nick talked about or Nick talked to me about it the other day um just the the ignorance of, of a lot of people I think is is the main problem so I think just educating yourself on a lot of our history and then just a lot of things that are going on is only going to help you know bring change um I think People starting to understand what's has been going on and what's gone on for forever, and then I think when people start to realize that um start to learn start to actually see see it you know what I mean I think that that's when things will start to change um Obviously, I feel like the the guy in charge needs to to help us out a little bit, but um you know it's on it's on everybody it's not just on him.
1: you going off what jacob said uh i think it's important for people to educate
3: themselves and like nick said it's a perfect time right now like everything's stopped no nothing's going on so you don't have any excuses to not be you know active about educating yourselves or you know donating everything so it's a, it's, it's it's the perfect time really to you know you have no excuses right now to be ignorant of the matter so it's a Keep, keep educating yourself and keep, like, checking your boxes and see, like, what you can do to, to help the change.
4: Yeah, I think that um, just going off that, like, um, I was talking to one of our assistants the other day, and it was just, like, uh, he was talking to me about some of the stuff going on, and I think that, like, the, the crazy part about this time is that, like, it's never been easier to gain information to, like, learn to like grow. But I think that, you know, one of the, uh, I guess one of the most either brilliant or controversial like rhetorical devices that like the president has used is like the idea of fake news and the idea of like, you can't trust the media, you can't trust the information. So like, even though there's so much information like at our fingertips on a daily basis, like it's hard to decipher what's true and what's not. And so like, because of this time, like, so many people should be educating themselves, but I think people are having a hard time trusting a lot of the information And because of how partisan things are. Like people are having trouble deciphering what is biased and what is unbiased. So I think I think education is super important, but like what you're taking in is, is even more important. Like make sure you're taking in the right stuff, make sure you're taking in stuff that's like actually beneficial, that actually can, you know, help you gain knowledge and understand the context of the stuff that's going on in the country.
0: When it comes to those sort of things, how much of that do you think then starts with like making sure that, that, you know, your own house is clean, like making sure that you're taking care of the people around you and you understand Like that there's three three forms of truth, right? Like there's your truth, there's my truth, and then there's the actual truth in every conversation, right? Because we've all been biased with what we've learned before or this, that, or the other thing or situations we've been in. But how much of that comes down to just really taking care of the people that you're around and making sure you're doing right by them and then working your way out?
1: Um, I'd say a lot of
2: it, I think. Um, I guess like, so you have your, your, your group of people. Um, I mean, for me personally, like obviously I have a good amount of white friends and a good amount of black friends. Uh, I have white family members, black family members. Um, so to me, it's like, okay, I, I know they, they have love for me and that they, they care about me, but it's, it's the guys that, that they don't. Really know or don't have love for like like how do they feel about them? So I mean it's obviously like a like it's understanding like okay I see you guys have love for me so that is what it is be there but I'm looking more so is the fact okay so how did you feel about certain situations when it, it wasn't me or somebody that I know or somebody that you've seen with me if that makes sense when it's just like a, a general uh African American or minority in general like you start to question stuff like that. Um, and, like, me personally, like, with, with a white mom and a black dad, like, I mean, this is kind of, like, all there is to talk about right now. So I'm forced to have the uncomfortable conversations, like, with my mom, with my dad, um, you know, just kind of seeing what they think and then obviously having disagreements in certain places and agreements in certain places as well. But, I mean, just just the uncomfortableness, um, I think that's what kind of scares people into to really – doing research and and wanting to have those uncomfortable conversations, but that's the only thing that's gonna, to drive change, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, also I think,
3: uh, like Nick said, everything's on uh, social media right now. And we all know that media is pushing like their own narratives for the protests, for what's actually going on. So I think for us younger people who use social media all the time, and who actually have like, we've seen all those videos, it's important to be able to show them to our older siblings or, or or parents and all of that who only watch TV. And that's the only inf- the information they get. But, like, we're getting the actual information right now from people who have been there, who have been on the scene, so we can actually help our parents to understand, like, like, what's really going on. Like, it's not only the videos they're seeing on CNN or on CBC News, all of that. We can really help them and
1: show them, like, the full picture of what's actually going on. Um, yeah, I think that like what they said is both
4: true. I think like the key is having trying to have super productive conversations like uh like my family, we talk about this stuff pretty often and like maybe my parents and I have disagreements, but like I think that it's important to just be talking about this stuff and as far as like the what you said about like um like your inner circle and like the truth stuff, like I agree that like everybody has their own version of the truth, but like I guess the most telling thing about this is like there's like subjective truth, which is like, do you think that pizza was good? And like objective truth, which is like, like do Black Lives Matter? Like is like what is like is what happened is what is happening wrong? And like if you talk to people and their opinion about this is like, like if you talk to people and like this give you like an all lives matter answer, like police brutality isn't that bad, or like black people should worry more about like black on black crime or abortion race and all that stuff that they're like not having the right conversations and those that, that are type of stuff that like I feel like you should look out for like like again like in, whenever you're having a co- these conversations there's going to be a difference of opinion even with people that I agree with I don't necessarily agree with everything they're saying about all the ways to make change but at least we're actively trying to get this at least our starting points are saying Our finishing line might be different uh, our finish line might be the same the starting point might be different but like if people are starting it or trying to get to different places or not trying to change at all those are the conversation that you should be wary of because like like Jacob and Nate said like I think for me it's been eye-opening talking to people and what they're what they're trying to talk about right now like what what are they trying to like like yeah I don't want to talk about this every day like this stuff is heavy it's hard but like if you never want to talk about this at all then you're missing the point of you're missing a moment to, like, impact change.
2: Yeah, I mean, people people are going to show themselves to you, you know what I mean, um, especially with social media. Like, you really can't hide anything unless you just don't post. But, like, if people like certain stuff, like, you see it. Like, like my thing is, like, you, you can't hide, you know what I mean? So, whether it's, like, you, you don't talk about it, like, you're letting us know how you feel, what you say. Uh, like Nick said, like, what you're talking about. Like, at the end of the day, like, we're talking about do Black Lives Matter? If you turn it to anything else, it's just, like, you're you're hiding. You know what I mean? You know, like, like we understand, like, what you're trying to get at. And it's just, like, it's just been interesting to, to see certain people's thoughts and opinions on on just uh, all the stuff that's going on in general. I think it's kind of easy to just, like, for me personally, it's been easy to just, you know what I mean, stop. You don't have to, like, obviously, like, there's certain people that you don't communicate with. uh, Like, with basketball, obviously, people tell you, like, oh, yo, congrats, like, da da da, whatever it is. Um, But I feel like now, like, it's, like, to the point where, like, I don't, there's, like, certain people that have done that before, and it's, like, I don't, I don't really want their congrats anymore. You know what I mean? So to me, I think it's just kind of been an eye opener. Yeah. And, like,
4: I think, like, one of the things that you're seeing with celebrities often, and even, like, um, and even just uh, random people that aren't even celebrity. I think like the super interesting stuff is like Jacob said. You can't hide, but like also like if you're actively trying to get off tweets about that uh, tweets that aren't actively helping uh, like this this movement. If you're trying to like deflect and stuff like like I I think it's super like I generally like would like my would prefer people if you don't have anything good to say at all like don't say it. But, like, and like, the people who are actively trying to, like, say bad stuff or, like, talk about other things or, like, get off the Blue Lives Matter tweets or, like, you see celebrities all the time who are having to backtrack their comments. Like, if you're trying to get that stuff off now, like, you're really showing, like, who you are. Like, it's not like, yeah, the silence is, like, that's one thing. But, like, if you're saying stuff actively, like, against the movement or, like, trying to, like, stir or get off opinions that you know aren't helpful, like, that's, that's to me the most telling.
3: Yeah, uh, I've actually been struggling with that part, too, like, because obviously I know a lot of people are, you know, being active and trying to help, but they're not posting or anything. You know, it's just not their thing. And it's been a struggle for me to, like, try and figure out if someone actually cares or if they just don't care. Or also some people post a lot, but I don't know if it's just because it's a trend right now or if it's because they actually care. So I think, like in the coming weeks, when it not dies down, but when it's not as like at the forefront of everything, I'll be real. I'll really be able to realize, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, who's actually invested in it and is trying to make a change, or if someone was just there for the trend because that's that's what's on right now. That's what everyone's doing. Um,
2: kind of like Nick was talking about. I think like. Obviously, like seeing what certain people post is like hard to look at. But, like the hardest thing for me is is trying to decide. Like I guess where we go. You know what I mean? Like you see certain celebrities, like they talked about, trying to trying to. Be like, like okay, now do we just not support that celebrity? Like do we just cut them off completely? Like you know what I mean? Or there's certain people that that may like like Trump. Obviously, it's like okay, do you do you cut that person off completely? Or do you try and help them out and try and understand like, and try and like, is it okay to disagree? Is it okay to agree to disagree on certain situations? You know what I mean? So trying to understand that and trying to figure out what you want to do there is, is really tough for me. Cause it's like, okay. Like I saw, okay. Like so let's say, for instance, somebody said the N word back, like in a song back in uh 2015 and now they're pushing for the campaign. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're just expected to forgive people when like in reality, it's like, it's not okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like for like black people in general, I feel like we are expected just to forgive people. And so that's kind of what I'm, uh, I guess that's kind of like an issue for me trying to figure out like, who can we forgive? What can we forgive? And then like, are we just going to forgive people? Are we going to um, try and help them change and see different things, see things our way or, or just like have conversation like that. Cause like there's some people where it's just like, man, I don't even want to have a conversation with you. You know what I mean? And so I don't know, I guess I'm just, that kind of is a little dicey for me.
1: No, I think that's exactly. completely understandable.
0: I'm sorry, Nate, go ahead.
3: Yep. Like Jacob said, I've had a lot of trouble, like, understanding why some people who have a big platform will have a lot of people who follow them and choose to stay silent. like, I feel like when you, you, you get to that level where you have so much success and it's due to so much people following you, I feel like you have a responsibility to, you know, speak out, like, it's not like everyone else who, you get to choose or not choose whether you're posting or stuff. I feel like if you have a lot of people following you, like a response, you have a responsibility to say something. You know what I'm saying? Like, because if you're not saying anything, I feel like it's, you're standing against everyone. If that makes sense. And I've had a lot of trouble understanding, like, why why some, you know, some universities or some athletes, some politicians are, are not saying anything about it. And I don't know if I should be, you know, like, maybe they are doing some stuff, but I feel like they have to be, you know, active on social media or, or speaking out because so many people are watching what they're doing. And even if they're donating behind closed doors and everything, if you're not saying anything about it as like a public
1: figure or a star or anything, it's like you're you're, you're not really helping. Fair. So, Nate,
0: kind of piggybacking that, you feel then that, you know, like schools and teams should be making statements about this?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Obviously, I don't think any school, I mean, I don't know for a fact, but every school abides for equality and they're for it. But if they're not saying anything about it, it's like, let's say I'm looking at a bunch of schools and I'm a black kid and I see a school that hasn't said anything about it. or I'm thinking about going to a a team or university, or basketball team, and that team hasn't said or made any statements about it. As a black kid, it'll definitely, like, make me feel some type of way. I'll be like, do they actually care about what's going on or do they not care at all? So I feel like they should have that responsibility of saying something and, like, making a statement like, yes, we are for the Black Lives Matter movement. We do care about what's going on. Like, I think they should have to make a statement about, about it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that.
4: I think that most students, I mean, most schools should have a statement. I think my biggest problem with a lot of the statements is that they're, like, empty. And, like, that's my – that's why I have, like, a hard time with the statements because, like, at the end of the day, like like, if you just say, like, we stand for – stand against racism and stuff that's a cool stance but that's like that's part of the argument that's part of the grand argument but like that's not the biggest thing that we're talking about right now we're talking about directly police brutality police interactions with black people so i feel like if you are if you are making a statement that has nothing to do with that and i think that you're it's like like empty it's like an empty gesture and like i don't know i haven't seen i haven't seen a lot of statements that i felt like okay this 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 company this group is really taking a stand like some people are just like saying things just to say things to save face and like there's value in that on some level because at the end of the day a lot of these companies a lot of these uh universities they profit a lot off black people so if you're going to profit off black people you have to show that you care for them too but at the same time like this is a really serious moment and I prefer not to not have empty not have an empty gesture to not to have a statement have substance so like I even use our coach's example I actually talked to some people about what they thought about uh, coach money statement and like when I first read it, I thought it was okay and some people were like really mad about it because they said that like you know he is using his good experience with a cop to like just like talk about like all the like he like talked about his personal interaction with the cop that was good and was like, this is where we will. Let. That's not what we're talking about right now. Because a lot of people don't have that, that experience with cops. Like, I've had bad experience with cops. I'm sure, like, Nate and Jacob have had experience with cops that weren't good. So, like, I think that, like, the messaging is so important right now and it's so critical. And I think that when these schools and universities are making statements, they're not really a good job of, like, talking about the main issues.
2: Yeah, I agree with Nick. Because uh, right away when I read Mooney's thing, I was kind of like, uh, I feel like he kind of, Kind of dodged the point. I talked to him a little about it. He asked me, and I was like, to me, it seemed like a, a little bit of fluff. Um, I mean, obviously, that's my guy. Obviously, you know, he cares about, about black people and black lives, and I know he cares about the situation. Um, I think his statement, though, and I told him that I said, bringing in uh, the statement or the the little story, I was just like, it kind of just took away from everything. It kind of just felt like you weren't really addressing the point. Like, you kind of just... You know what I mean? You kind of just talked about a situation that you had with the cops. And, I mean, like, I understand uh, what he was trying to do. And I feel like everybody kind of tries to tiptoe that line, obviously. You know what I mean? You don't want to go too far one way, too far the other way. But I feel like in this case, um, uh, kind of everything that, like, people – like, people set certain, like, standards for themselves. Like, as far as, like, social media, like, certain people don't post certain things or say certain things. But I feel like as far as this situation goes I feel like all that stuff goes out of the window you know what I mean like I feel like this issue is just so big and it's just so beyond all of us that like everything that we think about ourselves should just go away you know what I mean like we should address it as a collective unit and so that was kind of my thing with that um obviously like Nick said like I've had good run-ins with cops I've had bad run-ins with cops but, like lately it's just kind of like like, I saw a cop yesterday at, like, the gas station. I just, he tried to say something to me. I was like, I didn't want to talk to him. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't talk. Now it's just like, even though I know there are good cops out there, you know what I mean? It's just kind of to the point where I think all black people or minorities are kind of just like, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not, I'm not in the mood to, to talk to anybody. I don't, I don't even want to see a police car right now. You know what I mean? So that's just my thing. Like
3: Jacob said, I think right now, like the excuse of not wanting to be political doesn't stand anymore like we're We're not talking about what are your political views it's we're It's literally lives like people are dying, and the 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 trying to be like politically correct when you're talking is is not an excuse anymore. like what we need right now is the blunt truth and to have those you know uncomfortable conversation. Because it's not like we're deciding. It's lies right now. People people are actually dying. I think it's important to, you know, not being scared of what other people are going to think
1: of what you're, what you're saying. Okay, well, then let me ask you guys this then real quick. Because
0: I, I didn't make a statement. Like, I don't know what to say. We all talked about that briefly yesterday, like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And that's why I wanted to reach out and do this. So does that kind of change your opinion coming into this?
3: Uh, yeah.
2: I think. Go ahead, Nate.
3: Yeah, like you said, a lot of people don't have, I mean, don't know what to say and should be listening right now. But like exactly what we're doing right now, this is a great way of, you know, being active on the change. Even you, if even even if you don't have anything to say, you can like, I don't know, promote other people who do have stuff to say, or yeah. You so know, that's how I about it.
2: Um, I feel what you're saying, Jay, uh, about kind of like waiting and trying to figure out what you're wanting to do. But I think, uh, probably for like most uh people that are supporting the movement, we we want to see the see the raw emotion. We want to see how, like, how it impacted you right away. You know what I mean? I feel like now um, people have gotten the opportunity to see what not to say and what to say. And so now I feel like statements now are just kind of like, that's what Nate was saying earlier. Like, you don't really know if they're genuine or if they're just, you know what I mean, just making a statement because they feel like they, they need to. But now I feel like, like I was talking to somebody probably like two days after the whole thing came out. I was like yo why haven't you said something like obviously African Americans like mean a lot to you um like work he's like a trainer so he works with him every day like it's a big part of who he is and he was like right now I'm trying to like read and educate myself uh before I say something and I'm like to to me like I understand like yeah like I want you to read and like educate yourself for sure uh become more knowledgeable but like at the time it's like I want to see what you had to say right away you know what I mean uh like obviously like the video had an impact on you right away. I wanted to see the raw emotion. Like I, for me personally, like my mom was like sad about it. And like, she was like, Oh, I feel for like his mom and like da and his family. And it was like, to me, it was like, I was angry. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily sad. And so to me, I wanted to see like the, the different emotions that like people would show. Cause like, in my opinion, Change is going to come when, when people are angry about it, not when people are sad about it. You know what I mean? Sadness just makes you want to donate and want to talk about it. But, like, anger is going to drive you to, to go do something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to force a change. And so, for me, that's kind of where I was at with, with um, people not posting or, or not making a statement right away. Because I, I wanted to see how it impacted them initially.
3: Yeah, like Jacob said about being sad and being angry, like, I feel like the difference when you're sad and when you're, like, when you're sad, I'll be sad in any, like, unfortunate situations, like, oh, that's sad, like, he was unlucky. But when you're angry, it's because, like, it keeps happening. That's what makes us angry.
2: Something's wrong. Like,
3: if black people keep getting killed by cops and everything, I'm not going to be sad about it because it keeps happening. Like, obviously, it's sad for the family and everything, but it's it's sickening and it makes you enraged because it's something that
1: keeps happening over and over again. Yeah, I agree. I think also
4: one of the key points is that like we're not just talking about like like obviously black men dying at hands of police is a big deal, but it's also just like everyday and general interactions with the cops that are problematic. So like, I was talking to some, to one of my friends about it and he said that two years ago he didn't actually, he didn't, he, he wasn't that sympathetic about it because he said that like, people were focusing too much on the deaths. And then he realized that like when people are angry they're I just talking about deaths, that's the extreme. We're talking about just like an everyday excessive use of force. So I think that's like one of the biggest things is like, 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 the deaths are bad, but it's just like every day these people like people are having poor interaction with cops that other people aren't having. So then let me ask you guys this. Then like,
0: you know, we I brought that question up in the beginning, and I think that this would be a good one to to kind of go, you know, run with here at the end. And you know the locker room like kind of versus reality. And what are some things that like people
1: can learn from that? And Is there any real differences in that? Yeah, I think for a a lot of, you know, athletes, uh, especially for
3: the white ones, I feel like being in sports really helps them understand, like, how, you know, other cultures are, you know what I'm saying? Being with those black kids and, you know, all people of color, since you were a a kid really helps you understand you know what's going on and one of our teammates said that in our last meeting like he got the opportunity to you know have those experiences with black kids and people of color but a lot of his white friends don't get that experience and i feel like those white people need to you know use their experience and you know educate their friends and uh, their family members on how it is to, you know, be with black people all the time and how we're obviously not a threat and we're humans like everyone.
4: Yeah, I think that, like, obviously the, like, that uh, being around more black people helps. But I think that, like, we're seeing in the NFL probably more than any other sports that, like, just because you're in a locker room doesn't mean that, like, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about sports and other relationship between like like people in the locker room is that like sports is just some racial utopia and like there's no color and like everybody sees the same. And like I think one of the, the most interesting that comes out of this is like how like people are going to start viewing the locker room now. Like when the Drew Brees stuff happened, like people on his own team were looking at him sideways and I think people probably already knew that, that stuff about him and how he felt. And I think in every locker room like you know how people feel and, like... I think just because you can work together with somebody in that con- in the context of sports doesn't mean that, like, doesn't mean that the racial injustices that they, or the racial prejudices that they feel go away. So I think that you have to work really hard to, to, like, know the difference between, like, guys who have grown up around black people and know how to act around them and know how to not offend them, and then people who are actually with you.
2: Yeah, I think Nick makes you a, a really good point. Uh, I basketball obviously because football is basically like two teams into one like defense offense um you know what I mean and so there's so many guys as well I think with basketball um like with only having 13 15 guys in the locker room whatever it is you get to you get to really see uh I mean I feel like you get to see mostly I mean for us like you mostly get to see what people's views are on certain things um obviously um I think with growing up playing sports, you get to be around um, people of color um, and minorities. But at the end of the day, when you're growing up, uh, you still go back home to your parents. You know what I mean? You still go back home to, to ideas that, that you didn't even really get to make. You know what I mean? Mostly kids. Uh, and I think that's what we see mostly uh, with the ignorance. I think a lot of people didn't really make decisions for themselves. I think they, their parents kind of made them for them at a young age. And they kind of just followed and it stuck with them. Um, But I feel like the locker room itself is, is a unique deal just because you get to, I mean, except for like rare situations, you get to just talk however you want to talk. You know what I mean? You get to say whatever you want to say and you really get to see like, like I was talking about earlier, you get to see the raw emotion. You know what I mean? Like I can say however I feel without having to be politically correct. You know what I mean? Um, I can say whatever I think without worrying. Is this going to get out to the media? Or is, like, is my mom going to hear how I'm talking or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, you really just get to talk however you want to talk. So, with that being said, I feel like uh, you get the benefit of the doubt. Or you get benefits from the locker room. You know what I mean? Like, just being able to, to have conversation with people, obviously. Um, I feel like for us, we're kind of closer maybe than most colleges. So we talk about more things than others, maybe. Um, That's just kind of my opinion.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you think that because basketball has a smaller group and we play more games, so we're on the road more often and we're doing things, I mean, really, we're together all the time. Do you think that that may be a contributing factor to, like, some of that difference, or do you think that it's just kind of a a generalization of sport, and like, overall?
2: A little bit of both. Um, I think with basketball, like, you can still kind of get your general idea of, of who people are. Obviously, you might not know what their situation is back home or, like, when they're with their friends back home or whatever it may be. Um, so you don't really get to see maybe a 100% of people, but I feel like you get to see a, a good amount. Especially in Richmond, um, you know what I mean, with um, all the monuments and stuff like that, all the, the – min- I mean, like, just at Richmond, like, we have so many so many white people there. You know what I mean? Like, you look at it, the only Afri- – like, there's probably, like, a handful, like maybe ten African-Americans or minorities that, that really – or just African-Americans that aren't athletes, you know what I mean? So we're kind of – I mean, as far as, like, the basketball team, I feel like we get to see a lot of the experiences together. Um, a lot of the situations. I mean, we're always always together usually, but, um, you know, I feel like we kind of see similar treatment from certain people. So I feel like it
1: shows up and we're able to talk about it. I mean, I think it just varies from team to team. I think that obviously,
4: I think our team, since I've been there, has done a pretty good job of being able to talk about that stuff depending on, Who's in the locker room? But yeah, for the most part, we've been able to talk about it. But I mean, I I have I know people who have been in locker rooms, and basketball locker rooms that haven't had that same experience. So, um, uh, and like there are te- there are teams where like uh, some groups of players don't talk to other groups of players. So like, I think that uh, but sports has a generalization because like in like in basketball especially or football like you're playing with people from different races all the time but like just because I mean I think we're learning about this now more than ever like just because you are around black people a lot because you talk to them just even just even if you have a black friend does that doesn't exclude you from being racist that doesn't exclude you from having racial prejudices so like I think that like moving forward like locker rooms need to be explicit about more explicit about having these conversations I don't think there's ever really been an excuse, but I think, like, after this moment, there's not really any excuse to, to just skate by that kind of stuff. Like, you have to make sure that, like, you're working to make it uh, as comfortable place as possible for everybody to feel comfortable and welcome. So then, let me ask you guys this.
0: What do you feel like coaches and support staff can
1: do better when it comes to all of these situations?
2: Um, I mean, right now it's kind of hard just like not being able to be around everybody. So you don't really get to see what they're thinking. Like you can't really talk face to face and like look somebody in the eyes. And then obviously you can't, uh, you know what I mean? You can't go process together. You can't go eat at coach's house and all sit down and get to talk about it. So you kind of just looking through uh, through a camera, which is okay. Um, But, you know, I've told people mostly um, just reaching out to people. Like I had a neighbor, uh reach out to me the other day and just let me know that he he cares for me and it was like I haven't I haven't lived in that house since I was in like 8th grade you know what I mean so situations like that um just kind of let you know that like there still are people that like really care about you um they see the situation and they're not going to run from it they're going to embrace it and make sure you know they they want your they want to let you know that they're supporting you um so to me reaching out and um uh, just taking a stand on it, letting people know that you care for them, um, having support, and then actually doing something—it's uh, just kind of my thing.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I think that for the
4: most part, like people just want to feel supported. People want to feel like they're going to be welcomed. So, like I like like Jacob said, like we're not all going to be—we're not all going to be together. We're not all going to be able to go to places together. But just. Uh, letting people know that you care about them, that you support them, and that, like, they're heard and that they listen to. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, like I think that's, for me, that those have been the most meaningful interactions is people just letting me know that they care about me and that they support me through all this, and that, like, they're going to work harder to try to make themselves better so that, the, that our country can get better.
1: Yeah, like they both said... Uh... You know, getting those calls or texts
3: really don't make a difference, like, in those times because we can't all be together and everything. So, you know, having some conversation with some coaches or, you know, texting about how things went, it really does matter because you want to know that the people you're always with, you know, actually care about you. So during those times, I think that's
1: one of the great things we can do. Well, and we talk about this
0: when it comes to training all the time. Uh, you know, like, where are you at? How are you doing? How are you feeling? What do you see? Um, so I appreciate you guys being open with all that. But I think that this would kind of not be worth, you know, the, the time that we took
1: this if I didn't ask this question. And that's what can I do to you? Uh, I think this podcast, this podcast we're doing right now, was you know a great
3: first step. Like you said, when you uh, when we decided to make this, like you know, using any platform or anything you have to try and do something to change or you know help people's voices be heard, is uh,
1: you know a, a great way of being a part of the change. Yeah, after the same, just conversations like like these uh,
4: on here privately are important. And like I said earlier, just making people feel supported, making people feel comfortable, and that's the biggest thing.
1: Um,
2: Yeah, Uh, like I kind of talked about, just just reaching out to to people and letting them know that that you're there for them. Um, And I'd say reach out to the people that, that maybe you, aren't as close to, you know what I mean? You see us on an everyday basis. Like, we know you care for us. Obviously, reach out to us as well. But I'd say maybe reach out to the people that, that you don't get to talk to as much, um, that you're, you'd are you say you're friends with or you're close with. Um, and maybe you guys don't talk every day or every week or even every month, but, you know, you still support them. Um, like your friend for Nicodemus, for for example, you know what I mean? Reach out to him, guys like that. Um, obviously, stay educated. And then I would just say don't, don't let it die down, you know what I mean? Like when we talk in two weeks or three weeks, whenever we see you next, uh, I want to be able to ask you like what, what you've done and how you maybe had an impact on somebody or helped out and uh, hopefully you have a good answer for them.
0: Well, I think with all of that too, you know, we have a really unique squad and, and I think that that's one thing that Coach – done a really, really good job with is like bringing in a bunch of people that not just care about each other and, and work for each other and have fun with each other, but, but hold each other to it. You know, I, I wanted to do this because I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I asked for you guys help, and I lean on you guys for training and all that. And, and I'll probably be leaning on you for some of this as well because you know, you guys know how important you are to me and I want to make sure that no matter what I'm doing the best I can, you know, for you and and for everything that's associated with this, because, you know, this, this is important. And I think that right now, one thing that we are seeing is that a lot of people, whether they understand what to do or not to do, understand that there are things going on that shouldn't be, and I think that when it comes to doing things on a broader scale, that's probably what's most important. But I mean it, man. I, I really do appreciate you guys doing this. Like, And, and I, mean, I mean the rest. Come again, Jacob?
2: appreciate you having us. Obviously, I feel like, uh, you know, we try and do our own thing with our social media. But uh, getting out on your podcast, uh, being able to talk there, um, hopefully somebody sees it and, gets to come talk to me, Nate, or Nick, and actually have a conversation, maybe if they disagree, you know what I mean? Maybe they can ask how they can help, so, you know, helps us out. You know, in the coaching world,
5: kind of in the recent past, we've started to talk a lot more about coaching the person, not just the athlete. You know, and I think that when we look at things like that, understanding – where people are coming from and and getting to know them very well and know the person is obviously exceptionally important. But I would be lying if I told you I wasn't nervous as I put this, this project together, you know, nervous because what we talk about right now is we need to have the hard conversations. We need to have the difficult talks, you know, to keep moving forward. Well, I can tell you this, if you truly are what we say we are in the performance world and that is people that are always looking for ways that we can better serve the coaches and the athletes that we get to work with, then this isn't a hard conversation. This is the right conversation. This is a way for you to understand how you can be better. I was obviously not immune to criticism in this. And I'm going to do everything I can to keep moving forward and to keep being better and to keep asking these questions of how I can do better and how I can support these guys more. Because it's important. And I think that a lot of the reason we're able to do that is because of the culture that we have within our program, where no matter what is going on, everyone is there to just try to be better for everyone else. It isn't every program in the country that when, you know, your point guard can, is gonna be able to sit down and have a conversation with the head coach about how he sees something differently from a different point of view than what the coach does. But that's what really makes this group special. And I don't know if that's something that's just unique to our situation, that we have leadership in this program that has really looked for autonomy from the players and input from the players and for everyone just to keep trying to get better for each other so that we can all do the best for the program and for the group and for each other or if it is something that is more common. But I'm happy we did this. And I hope that you can take this in this last 45, 50, whatever minutes and use it as a springboard to help you reach out to the young people that you get the opportunity to work with every day. Because I think that we all can do better. So Jacob, Nick, Nathan, thank you very much. And I hope that the rest of y'all that are still here enjoyed the, the podcast this week. We'll be back next week with probably a different topic, but we're going to keep trying to be better
1: because we all need to be better.